Professor Anthony Esselin, who used to teach at Providence College, in his book, Out of the Ashes, Rebuilding American Culture, writes the following. Professor Esselin says, What is the single condition of a boy's life that correlates most strongly with whether he will turn criminal? Not income, not by a long shot. It is whether he grew up in the same home with his father. Our prisons are full to bursting with fatherless boys who never became the men and fathers that God meant them to be. This is something that many people are not aware of. They think that poverty, the lack of income, is the major reason why many young men, especially from our inner cities, end up in prison. But it's not. It's a factor in the equation for sure, but it's not the major factor. The major factor is the absence of a father, or a father figure, at least, in a young man's life. After I read this in Esselin's book the other day, I went online to do some further research on the matter, and these are some of the statistics I came across. Ninety percent of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Sixty-three percent of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Seventy-one percent of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Seventy-five percent of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. You get the picture. The point here, my brothers and sisters, is very simple. Fathers matter. Their love matters. Their encouragement matters. Their presence matters. Their discipline matters. Their forgiveness matters. And their example in every dimension of life, including the spiritual dimension, matters. Our role model in all this is none other than God, our Heavenly Father. It doesn't matter if you're a spiritual father like me or a natural father as so many of you are. The Heavenly Father is to be our standard. In other words, when we want to know what a father is supposed to be like, first and foremost, we're to look to the Heavenly Father. His fatherhood is perfect. Ours, however good it is, is only imperfect. And that's extremely important to remember because very often people make the mistake of judging God according to their own experience of earthly fatherhood. And so if their father here on earth was not very kind or loving or forgiving, these people tend to project those qualities onto the Lord. So they have trouble relating to God as Father because they've made their human Father their standard of fatherhood, which is the exact opposite of what they should do. The Catechism puts it this way in paragraph 239. The Catechism says, The language of faith thus draws on the human experience of parents 
who are in a way the first representatives of God for man. But this experience also tells us that human parents are fallible and can disfigure the face of fatherhood and motherhood. We ought therefore to recall that God transcends the human distinction between the sexes. He is neither man nor woman, he is God. He also transcends human fatherhood and motherhood, although he is their origin and standard. No one is father as God is father. Which brings us to the feast we celebrate in the church this weekend, the feast of Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ. This is what you call a movable celebration in the liturgical year which means that it does not fall on the same Sunday every year. This year, it happens to coincide with Father's Day, which I think is extremely providential because you could say that an earthly father's love for his children is supposed to be Eucharistic. An earthly father's love for his children is supposed to be Eucharistic. Let me explain. Think for a moment about how the Eucharist came to us. It all started with the Heavenly Father. In the Creed, we say that God the Son was eternally begotten of the Father. That means, quite simply, that from all eternity, the Heavenly Father gave His best to His Son. He shared His divine life in its fullness with him. As the Catechism says in paragraph 246, and here I quote, the Father has, through generation, given to the only begotten Son everything that belongs to the Father, except being Father. God the Son, in turn, came to this earth 2,000 years ago, was born of the Virgin Mary, and then gave his best to all of us. He did that by suffering and dying for us on that cross and by giving us a living memorial of that event in the Holy Eucharist. The Eucharist is, therefore, the best the Lord has to give. It's his body, blood, soul, and divinity. May the Lord help us to appreciate this gift more and more each and every time we come to Mass. Jesus ties it all together in the gospel text we just heard from John 6 when he says, Just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. The Father gave his best to his only begotten Son in eternity. The Son gives his best to us in the Holy Eucharist. And we fathers are supposed to give the same thing, our best, to our children. That's why I said a few moments ago that an earthly father's love for his children is supposed to be Eucharistic. So dads, when you receive communion this morning, ask for that grace. Say, Lord Jesus, you gave your very best to me when you died on that cross for my salvation. And you continue to give your best to me by coming to me 
in the Holy Eucharist. By the grace I receive in this sacrament this morning, help me to give my best, my very best, to the children you've entrusted to my care. Amen.